Right now, I just want to I just want to read through the narrative from the Bible, and there's the different gospels that we can use. I'm going to use the Gospel of Matthew, um, just to kind of set your memory or reset your memory, whatever, maybe for the first time for you to hear it, whatever, um, of what really happened on this day that we celebrate as, as Easter, Resurrection Day, changed, uh, changed everything. Before this, people worshipped on the seventh day. After this, people worshipped, Christians at least started worshipping on the first day of the week because that was the day, the first day of the week is when Jesus rose from the dead. So, um, here we go from Matthew chapter 28, verse 1, early on Sunday morning. As the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to see the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake because an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't there. He isn't here. He's been raised from the dead, just as he said he would happen. Come see where his body was lying. And now, go quickly and tell his disciples he's been raised from the dead. And he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember, I've told you. The woman ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to find the disciples to give them the angel's message. And as they went, I love this part. Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. As they ran to him, they held his feet and they worshipped him. It's like, you know, they're walking through the garden, they're going to the tomb, and, and they're leaving from after talking to this angel, they're leaving there, and all of a sudden there's Jesus, and he's like, hey, how you doing? You guys looking for me? I mean, it's just, I just, the setting, I think it's just cool as can be, and that's, I mean, that's how Jesus was. I, we, we miss that. We think it was some kind of a somber, oh, bless you, you know, the whole thing. I'm not making fun of anything. Um, but, I mean, he, 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 we think that. But, I mean, Jesus was, he was a joyful, fun guy. Because people followed him. Just think about that. They followed him by the thousands, you know. He could start talking to 12 and end up with 5,000. So, and it wasn't because he had good amplification or a good band, like me, uh, you know. Um, <laughs> so, anyway... There you go. So anyway, he says, hey, greetings. You know, verse 10, then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. As the women were on their way into the city, some of the men who'd been guarding the tomb went to the leading priest and told them what had happened. A meeting of all the religious leaders was called. I always hate that. Religious leaders getting called together. And they decided to bribe the soldiers. They told the soldiers, you must say, Jesus disciples came during the night while while we were sleeping, and they stole his body. If the governor hears about it, we'll stand up for you and everything will be all right. So the guards accepted the bribe and said what they were told to say. Their story spread widely among the Jews and they still tell it to today at the writing that Matthew wrote this. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee going to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. Look at this last phrase. But some of them still doubted. Did you ever have doubts? So did some of the disciples at times. Yeah, don't think that that's something unusual to you. And you know, I said it last week, I'll say it again, I need to say it probably every week, God's big enough for your doubts. He's big enough. He can handle them. He's not insecure. It's a good thing to know. They were speaking here of Thomas, probably speaking of some others as well who were not uh, told about in the Gospels. Many things I could talk about when we talk about this whole thing of, of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Many things. I'm going to just 
center in on one, and I've already told you what that is, forgiveness. Just forgiveness. Because it's something that I need regularly, and it's something that we all need. And, um, you know, we could talk about the fact that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world. We could talk about um, that Jesus was proving that He was God, He was deity by being raised from the dead, and he, that's true. But the emphasis I want to take is, is one on forgiveness. I want to take you to another passage in the New Testament as we talk about this. and It's, it's the, the writings of the Apostle Paul in Colossians. And it's in chapter 2. And, and just, just read along with me and you'll see this. You were dead because of your sins. And because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. He forgave, here it is, He forgave all our sins. He canceled the record that contained the charges against us. He took it and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. What is referring to there, canceled the record, is that at that time, during the first century, when a criminal was... was um, prosecuted, or in this case, um, with the thieves and the cross, when someone was capital punishment, as it were, was, inst- was instituted, they would write, in that case, of course, we're talking about uh, crucifixion, they would write the, the, the name of the crimes, on, and they'd nail that to, the, to those crosses, which were really more like, kind of like, a, you know, almost a tree, to, to, in some, some Bible verse translations say that, and they would write like, like murderer, blasphemer, They'd write that and they'd nail that to the cross. This is what this person's being executed for. That's what this person's being punished. So what the Apostle Paul is referring to in Colossians 2, he says, he canceled the record that contained the charges against you, against us, me, you. In other words, God, Jesus took all the sins in a figurative sense that I would ever commit. And he put them on that cross. That you would ever commit. And he put them on that cross. All the sins you will ever commit. Jesus already died for. And when we come to Christ, that's why we receive forgiveness. You say, well, what keeps me from wanting to sin even more? Because, you, you know, once, once God has done a work in your heart, there's, there's, a, there's a sense there that you desire to please God. You, just, it, you still screw up. You still sin. But you desire to please God. And that's the point that he's making here. He says, he took this and he, and he can't contain the charge. He, he took it and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. In this way, God disarmed the evil rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross of Christ. That's forgiveness, folks. Later on, same book, same New Testament book, same writer, obviously, the Apostle Paul says this. He kind of he lays down the foundation for forgiveness. And then he makes, as it were, sort of an application. And he says this, look at this. You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. It's the bottom line. I say it all the time, it's true. You could never sin against me as much as I've sinned against God. So I have no choice but to forgive. You have no choice but to forgive. Now, I want to talk about that in a minute because there are a lot of myths about forgiveness. And I want to just deal with a few of those because some people, you know, say these things and I don't know if they know exactly what they're saying. Let me just run through a couple of them. There's always this myth of forgive and forget. Well, we gotta, if we're going to forgive, we've got to forget. How do you do that? What do you have? Electric shock treatments? Frontal lobotomy? How do you forget? 
I mean, come on, let's, let's think about that just a moment, truthfully. Tell someone who's really had some things done to them, whether it be a crime or, or betrayed or molested or some, some terrible thing like that. How do you say, you've got to forget that. Well, if they literally just erase that part of their brain, you and I know, and I'm not a psychologist and I'm not a therapist, but you and I know that that's not going to be a healthy thing. We have to move beyond it. But you can't forget. You have to forgive, though. So the whole dive, well, we've got to forgive and forget. We have to move on. But you know, God has the ability, unique ability, a God-like ability. God has the ability to forget. I don't know how he does that because he's God. I can't do that. You can't do that. Now, we can get to the point, we can get years beyond something where we, it, maybe the freshness of it doesn't stir up some of the things that it used to. We can get to that point by God's help and by God's grace. But in terms of just erasing that from our, from our memory bank, we're not computers whose hard drive can be erased. I've thought about that sometimes. I thought, man, I wish my brain was like a hard drive for many different reasons. You can always pull something up, but just so you could just erase it. Say, oh, it's not even there. You can't even find it. That happens to me all the time on a computer. What happened to that document, you know? What happened to that? I wish I could do that. I can't. And that's what, that's what but, but, but I still need to forgive. So that's one, one myth. Let's get rid of that one. Right? Another, another myth is that you've got to do it right now. Okay, this has, been, this has happened to you. You've got to get rid of it. You've got to get rid of it right now. Well, you know, one great, one great writer said this, I like it, Smead said this, forgiving is a journey, sometimes a long one, you know? Forgiving is a journey, sometimes it's a long one. Forgiveness is a process, and sometimes it takes a while. And sometimes when people say, you know what, how do I forgive for that? I say, you know, let's don't worry about that right now. Let's, let's just, let's, and let's ask God to help us. But don't think, I got to do it this, I got to do it today, I got to do it for you, I got to do it this week. You know what, it may take a few weeks, it may take a few months, sometimes it may take a few years. That's why we ask God to help us to forgive. So God can do that, but we, we, always, we can't always do that, and that's why we have to have, God can do a work in our heart and in our lives, and, he'll, and He will do that. Got to do it right now. Um, another another myth about forgiveness is it means I got to I use this phrase I got to take you back right now. I got to take you back. Now you say, what is that? Is that talking about a husband and wife? It could mean that. It could mean a business partner who just embezzled a couple mil from you. Seen that before? Well, okay, I forgive you. Therefore, got to take you back. Look, I have to forgive you, and that may take a while, but that doesn't mean that I put you back in the same position of trust that you were, so that you can do that to me again. That's called stupidity. Okay? Now, in a husband and a wife situation, we need to deal with that. Can you get to the point where one or the other betrays one and, and you can get back to the point where there is a, there is a mutual... Yeah, you can. You can get back to a place of trust. It might take some time. But you can get there, and I would recommend that you try under most circumstances. Because I've known some great marriages that have had some difficult times in the past. So, so, you know, does it, so does it mean if I forgive somebody that I've got to put them right back where they were? You know, there, are, there is a, such a thing called consequences. And I'm not necessarily talking about child raising. We all understand that, I hope. This isn't the purpose of what I'm talking about today. But when we talk about consequences, one of the things that happens is people say, well, I'll forgive them, but they've got to pay the consequences. Well, what are those consequences? You don't know what those consequences are always. Now, maybe that means that I don't allow them back into my circle of trust. 
Maybe that means that I might allow them back into my circle of trust, but it's just going to take a while because I've been betrayed here. You know? One of the things, I just, I, I love this. This, is, this happened to me several years ago. And I think about it oftentimes on Easter Sunday morning. And I wasn't, I was at another church. That I, some of you know this about me. I pastored a church in Colorado for almost eight, 17 years or 18 years. I don't know. I, I, you lose track after a while. And, um, and I remember one Easter morning, it was kind of like this. It was just, you know, kind of crazy. A lot of people coming that, that, that come other times. But on Easter, kind of everybody shows up at the same time. Lots of times we'll see some of you, but it'll be different times. Some of you are visiting, and that's great too. But it was like that. And we didn't have a we didn't have the organization that we have here, and, and you know we just, I, just, I would just hey, help me here, grab some help some people, grab some chairs, and we had limited spaces like we do here, and um, and some guy just pitched in and started helping, and, and 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 like here, people would wear just about anything in Colorado, maybe a step or two lower because either they're going to go skiing afterwards or they're going to they're going to go do something else or whatever, so. Um, so let's maybe you know we we pride ourselves here and just kind of come as you are. But it was probably even a step down from the from from anybody here. How the poorest dressed here? This guy was two or three steps down. Okay, so I don't know who the who who is the poorest dressed here. Can we take no? I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. we're not going to do that. We're not we're not going to go there with that. Um, uh, so I mean, and I knew of him as he was a family member of, a, of some friends that I, as an older couple that I knew really well. I had no clue what, what he was doing, but he just pitched in, worked like a Trojan, trying to help with chairs and um, kind of rough looking, kind of smelly, the whole deal, you know. And and and, and I, it was just like I found out later he just got out of prison, and I thought this is great. I mean, that's really what Easter's about, isn't it? guy can get out of prison like that month and shows up at church and helps set up chairs for people. And I just thought, I love that. I really do. And uh, I just thought that just, that's symbolic of Easter. So ever since then, I go to jails and try to get them to come on Easter Sunday, but it didn't work here. But no, um, I don't do that. But it's a good idea. It's a good idea. But I mean, that's, so there are consequences. And you know what? If you get if you run amok with the law, whether it's some kind of a minor thing or some kind of a major thing, some kind of capital offense, there will be consequences. And, and we need to understand that. You know that. Doesn't matter who you are. But at the same time, there needs to be an understanding that there can be and there will be forgiveness. If you go out and you and you get mad and you kill someone, uh, will I? Will well? Can you, God be forgiven? Yeah, you can be forgiven for that. Well, I forgive you. I'll forgive you in time for that, depending unless it's, you know, me or something. And, 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 but the bottom line is you can be forgiven, but I'll also come visit you in jail and, and, you know, tell you you're forgiven because there will be consequences to that. That's a, that's a major, it's a major extreme, but there are consequences to whatever we do. Sometimes we know what those are. Sometimes we don't know what those are. Here's one of the problems that happens with this whole thing of forgiveness. Sometimes people say, well, I don't think, I don't think he's paid enough consequences yet or she. And my question is, well, well, who died and left you king? And how do you know what consequences they're paying? Because you don't know what's going on in here. And they may be in utter sheer pain 24-7 for what they're doing, and maybe they're not showing that. So don't tell me that you have to see a certain thing, because that's between them and God. Now, if it's, sin, it's some kind of a sin or offense against you, you have to determine where you are in allowing that person back into your life. But there must be forgiveness, because if there's not forgiveness, you know who it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt you 
fact, one person said, and I want to go back to that quote, Josh, uh, back in PowerPoint. Um, I skipped a quote that I want to show you. Um, one of the great things about, about forgiveness, it's almost a selfish act. Uh, forgiveness is almost a selfish act because of its immense benefits to the one who forgives. It really is. I mean, aside from the fact that God says you should do this, this is so beneficial to us. And then one, one last thing I want to say about a myth, and that is the myth that, that I'll have better closure if I, if I see that my offender is punished. Let me, you know, and we see this sometimes with some of those capital offenses, and you see people having these vigils when someone's going to have the, be put to death for a de- the death penalty of somebody that they killed in some of those states that still practice uh, the death penalty and so forth. And we see that, and, and you, hear, you hear the family members, God bless them, you know, and your, your heart goes out to them, and they're saying, well, I'm going to feel better once this person is put to death who put to death my loved one. And I always think to myself, and sometimes I say it out loud, is, will you really? Will you really? How is that going to help you bring closure? Because here's the issue, and you need to hear this from somebody that cares about you. Sometimes those who offend you or sin against you may not in your lifetime or in your eyes ever be brought to justice. So what are you going to do with that? Well, I hope you'll forgive. And the reason I hope you'll forgive because if you don't, I know what it'll do to you and so do you. Just think for a moment. People that you know who have a lot of unresolved issues of forgiveness going on in their life. Maybe it's a parent who did them wrong. That's not the question. Maybe it's horrible what they did. Or maybe it was an ex-husband or an ex-wife or maybe even an adult child or a parent, cousin, uncle, whatever. Just think for a moment about those kind of people and if they can't forgive where they are. They are, I don't mean this in a light way, they are emotionally crippled. And God doesn't want you to live that way. He's got something much more and much better and a much better way to live. And you need to grab that thought. And you need to hold on to that thought. Real quick, let me show you. Truths about forgiveness. How did Jesus forgive? If I'm to forgive as Jesus forgave, how, am I, how is that supposed to be? Well, number one, it's without conditions. Jesus forgave me without conditions. He didn't say, okay, uh, Rich, I'm going to forgive you until you do it again. No, he said, I'm going to forgive you. And if you do it again, I'm going to forgive you again. And sometimes I do that. It's thorough. I mean, by thorough, I mean this. And this is where we get into the forgive and forget myth sometimes too. Uh, By thorough, I mean this. When we forgive, we give up the right to bring it back up again. We can't do that. I've been in some of those situations, not a therapist or anything or even a wannabe, but I do as a pastor get involved in some, just to try to help with friends and so forth, marriages, relationships, whatever. And many times I've been involved in those things where somebody starts bringing up stuff. Well, I remember when you did this. I remember when you did this. And they start going back and I'll stop and say, okay, no, wait, 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 help me. When did that happen? Well, five years ago. I said, oh, come on. It's not fair. You know? So, so we, we've got to stop with this whole thing and start thinking through this. Forgiveness is certainly without condition. Forgiveness is thorough. We don't bring stuff back up. What would you, how would that be if every time we came to Christ to confess our sins, He would say, oh yeah, Rich, I remember when you did this. I remember when you, I mean, he, God, God knows that. 
Even though he's a, he somehow blocked that out, he doesn't do that. Because he, he, he's forgotten it. Thank God. The Bible tells us in Psalm, by the way, that as far as the east is from the west, God has buried our sins. It's a long ways. The other thing about this truth about forgiveness is life-changing. It's life-changing. You've got to understand that. Let me show you that Colossians passage again. You know, he forgave us for all of our sins, tells us in Colossians 2, 16. And then he says in, in, in 3, 13, you must make allowance for each other's sins, uh, each other's faults, and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Listen, it's life-changing. It literally changes our lives when we understand that it was Jesus, it was Christ who bought us and bought our, bought our lives by His sacrifice for us. This is so well illustrated in a movie. I'm going to show it to you. You've seen it probably before, but I don't care. Because um, I like seeing it over and over again. It's so well illustrated in this movie, and it's the, the movie slash the play slash the book Les Miserables. And it's so well illustrated by the godly bishop in the movie. And uh, if you don't know, Jean Valjean's just gotten out of years of prison Ends up spending the night at the uh, at the bishop's uh, at the bishop's house. Here's what happens. Watch this. Is anybody there? I don't want to hear anything more about it. I'm sorry to disturb you. You caught him. But I had my eye on this man. Oh, and... thank God. I'm very angry with you, Jean Valjean. What happened to your eye, Monseigneur? Didn't he tell you he was our guest last night? Oh, yes. After we searched his knapsack and found all this silver, he claimed <laughs> that you gave it to him. Yes? Of course I gave him the silverware. But why didn't you take the candlesticks? That was very foolish. Madame Gillot, fetch the silver candlesticks. They're worth at least 2,000 francs. Why did you leave them? Hurry. Monsieur Valjean has to get going. He's lost a lot of time. Did you forget to take them? Are you saying he told us the truth? Of course. Thank you for bringing him back. I'm very relieved. Release him. You're really letting me go? Didn't you understand the bishop? Madam, you know, offer these men some wine. They must be thirsty. Thank you. And don't forget. Don't ever forget. You've promised to become a new man. Promise? 
Why are you doing this? Jean Valjean, my brother, you no longer belong to evil. With this silver, I've bought your soul. I've ransomed you from fear and hatred. And now I give you back to God. Is that just outstanding or what? First of all, let me just say this. You've got to love a bishop that offers somebody a glass of wine before noon. Now, now aside from that, aside from that, I love that part. I've ransomed your soul. It's what Jesus did for us. Because he has so much more for us. And he has such a, a better way to live. You know, as opposed to guilt and shame and fear. It's not, that's not a relationship with God. It's a relationship with something else. I don't know what it is, but it's not God. That's the message of forgiveness and the message of Easter. The message of resurrection. Let me pray. I want to say one other thing, and then I want you to hear something. Okay, God, thank you so much that you did ransom us. You did buy us from guilt, from shame, from sin, from our own selfish, stinking ways because you loved us. Jesus came, and we celebrate that on Easter, and he rose from the dead to give us such a better way to live a new way, a different way to live. We thank you for that. We thank you that Jesus came and lived, suffered, died, and rose again to give us that ability. God, I just pray each one of us would take these moments to stop and reflect and think upon our faith, our trust in you. And maybe we're just here thinking about it. Well, God, just help us to keep thinking. For some of us, we just are grateful that we can just leave here with a sense of gratitude and thanksgiving for what you have done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.